Um, at this time, if you could please stand with me as we will in unison um, be reading God's Word together. So, um, oops, let's go back. Let's read together. You shall count seven weeks of se seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property. And each of you shall return to his clan. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes for the undressed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be a holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. The berries out. You'll have to move it yourself. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the jubilee, and he shall sell to you according to the number of years for crops. If the years are many, you shall increase the price, and if the years are few, you shall reduce the price, for it is the number of Christ that he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Therefore you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in securely. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may sow or gather in our crop? I will command my blessings on you in the sixth year, so that you will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crop arrives. Amen. You may be seated. We have been going through the book of um, Leviticus and... Uh, as we can see, a part of us have really been revived by the book of Leviticus. Because the book of Leviticus, it is for the Levites. And the Levites are the people who serve the Lord. And what was the plan of the Lord with the Israelites? That they would look at the Levites and they would all become priests for the rest of the world. So that was God's plan. Now the rest of the people kind of rejected God's plan uh, through Christ Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we realize that God did not change his mind. So God said that we are now royal priests. So by default, now every Christian is a priest in this world. Uh, it doesn't matter of the tribe, gender, or age. Those in Christ belong to the royal priesthood. And that covers every single Christian. Levites were a training manual. It was a call to holiness uh, for the land. But more and more so importantly, what is the purpose of the Lord saying to us, be holy as I am holy. What does that serve? But the formation of a worshiping community. We realize that the biggest problem that we have is a worshiping community that it's adequate with the presence of God. If we look at the picture of the tabernacle, the, all the tents around the tent of meeting and the tabernacle and the presence of God and the Shekinah glory and the light falling down, 
as you go through the heart of how Israel was placed on the mercy seat, it was where God literally touched with us. That's why we call it the meeting place, the tent of meeting. And that is very important to you to, uh, uh, for you and I today for you and I today, because unless you come to church to interact with the presence of God, and unless you come to church to hear the voice of God, we turn the church into a club. The church has not changed. It is still surrounding the presence of God and the voice of God. That is the reality of the church. But God needed to train them to make sure that they have the correct worshiping community. Last week we saw that when we interact with the presence of the Shekinah glory of God in the Holy of Holies, it could be done only by one person once a year. Alone they had to do it. Even they had to wash themselves five times, anoint themselves five times, uh, you know, kill 30 animals and do all of those by themselves in one day. And if they were in the wrong, they'd be struck dead. This is important to you and I today. Because coming to church is not necessarily about the songs that you like. It's not about how strong my accent is when I speak English. But it is the reality of you being a priest, growing in your walk with the Lord and in your priesthood, and being able to reach out to meet the Lord in your praise time, in your prayer time, and hear his voice as we preach God's word. Now, sure, there are other things. Because we are a holy temple that does what? Have the presence of God. We see the first apostles, who were John apostles, went to Jesus. They spent an afternoon with him. It was so amazing. One goes to his brother and says, we have met the Messiah. Doesn't say anything about the gospel or anything. Just says to him, come and see. Proper worship is the expectation that when you sing, it involves all the members of your soul, your mind, your emotions, your volition, and your spirit to begin to interact when you pray. Well, we're a Baptist church. That almost sounds like you're trying to turn on into a Pentecostal church. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter whether you're Pentecostal or Baptist. He tells us, I read that to you in Hebrews. He tells us, how did Jesus pray? AJ, do you remember how does Jesus pray? With loud cries, vehement tears. There's the only place in the Bible that tells us the method in how they heard Jesus pray. If you go into a Presbyterian church and everyone's straight and very intellectual, and if you just raise your voice a little bit, they'll begin to wonder, I wonder what's going on with this guy. You go into a Baptist church and if people are jumping up and down, because they're excited in how they're interacting with the Lord. They're saying, whoa, here's a guy who, you know, something wrong. You go to a Baptist church and everything is orderly. And they say, wow, where's the freedom in this church? So we can tear each other down and do what? Attack God during the process. 
do what? Grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if you look around, yeah, there's 60, 70 people here. And we're here because it's not about us. As we move through this worshiping community and we see how God tells us that we need to move in a life of holiness and that is our progress, he also says, I'm going to change your calendar. And the reason why God changes our calendar is to understand the progressive stance of us giving up self and the lordship of Jesus, which is to come take over because those festivals and holy days they point to Jesus to form this worship calendar and community and to help us understand the ministry that our Lord Jesus would bring about now we have come to what we read which is the year of Jubilee in Leviticus how many of you know what Jubilee means The, what is it? Chris, you don't have to raise your hand. Oh. Joy of, of redemption and forgiveness of the land. Everything goes back to square Joy, Joy, that's an after event, but it doesn't mean uh, that. Jubilee simply means the horn of a ram. The horn of a ram. We translate in our Bible sometimes the trumpet, the shofar in Hebrew, as an instrument. Will we hear a trumpet? Are we going to hear any trumpet? Oh, yeah. Is there still a trumpet going to happen? Yes. When? When Jesus returns, really? Okay. When Jesus returns. Now, now we're getting somewhere now. The year of Jubilee, Jesus returns. The ram. The horn of the ram. What does the horn? We have horns in the Bible. What does the horn represent? Authority, power. It tells us he had ten horns. What is the power of the horn of the ram? Who's the ram? Who's our sacrificial lamb? When did the year of Jubilee start? It's at the beginning of the year. It's on the 10th day. We just learned last week. What's the 10th day of the beginning of the year? Yom? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. So it's... Rosh Hashanah begins the year. We like to feast on the beginning. The Lord says, no, you'll have 10 years of fasting and repentance. 10, 10, 10 days. That's how you begin your year. Very much just like the world does it today, right? They begin the year with 10 years of, of, of fasting and repentance every year. And on the 10th day, the most holy day is Yom Kippur, uh, right, and then they end that with a feast. Funny thing is, the year of Jubilee does not start right at the beginning. Why? It doesn't override the heart of God, which tells us Life with Jesus is what? Based on a repenting life. Repenting a process that has started. It's continuing and will continue. As the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. And it is this, this forward vision of proclamation of salvation, of glorification, of deification. They you blow that and a feast appears, but it's coming out of a life of repentance. They now 
this joy and freedom and restoration will take over our life. That is when it started, not at the beginning of the year, because it wasn't about time. It is centered in a relationship. And that relationship that touches the Shekinah glory of God and what comes with that relationship at the middle is the blood of the Lamb, which needs to make atonement to connect us and to propel us forward into the year of Jubilee. Now, did you think the Jews knew that the Jubilee was Jesus when the Lord gave them this? No. Actually, most people don't preach on this. Do you know why they don't preach? Because there's zero biblical evidence, unhistorical evidence, that they even observed it once. So many pastors don't really preach it out of here. They kind of preach it out of other places or they associate with the New Testament, but they won't preach it out of here. Why? It's the one aspect of life that brought complete failure on behalf of the people. How about that? How many of you guys knew that? A few? I see a few, yeah. A few have known that. So will this message rob us the right way or the wrong way? I wonder if the church parallels Israel, if this message will rob us the wrong way or the right way. We'll begin to wait and see. Okay, so... A few things... What Jubilee did, it would prevent the accumulation of land on the part of a few to the detriment of the community at large. It would render it impossible for any one to be born to absolute poverty since everyone had his hereditary land. It would preclude those inequalities which are produced by extremes of riches and poverty and which makes one domineer over another. It would utterly do away with slavery it would afford a fresh opportunity to those who were reduced by adverse circumstances to begin again their career of industry in the patrimony which they had temporarily forfeited. It would periodically rectify the disorders which crept into the state uh, in course of time, preclude the division of the people into nobles and pebblians, and preserve theocracy inviolate. I'm just trying to summarize a couple of chapters of what we did not read. What was the purpose of Jubilee? So what is the purpose of Jubilee now, if you were to look at it as a whole? It was meant to create what? Not only a worshiping community, but a witness about a new way of life. If the Jews were to be this way and, 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 and reproduce this into this world, guess what we would not have? We wouldn't have people starving. We wouldn't have the poor. We wouldn't have to deal with dark history of slavery. <coughs> Do you think the world has been affected by the economic plans that Jesus gave to his people and not even his own people respecting them? Major turmoil and pain and suffering and ugly things happening over the history of the entire globe and our humanity because of not respecting what God has said. The witness now goes beyond 
It's not for the self, but it's for the community that affects the world. But we do have it. We do have it in our system today. If you are speeding on a highway and uh, you get a ticket, and according to how much you were going over the speed limit, it depends on how many points you get. If you're 20 miles over, they can, it can be counted as a two-point speeding ticket. And I've gotten plenty, so I know the rules and regulations. Uh, you know, God has uh, humbled me a few times uh, with getting speeding tickets. Some uh, deservedly, some undeservedly, uh, you know. But nonetheless, uh, some of them are one point, some of them are two points. You can go to school to try to rectify, but you can only go to school so far uh, to traffic school, and then they go into your record. And then that helps the insurance companies get richer because they'll bump up your rates insurance, insurance rate. So uh, there goes uh, this reality. But after three years, you get a clean slate. So you can see this reality of the year of Jubilee was present. Now, there is a start, uh, uh, you know, with the year of Jubilee. And as I keep looking at it, I say, well, let me put it down into more easier terms than those six points that I said earlier that seem kind of complicated. It tried to prevent greed. It prevented long-term oppression and slavery. It did give economic guidelines Towards stability. And he guaranteed a baseline of harmony and peace. Why it didn't work? Because the premise of how this begins. The land belongs to the Lord. How do you like it if. I say to you, well, everything you have belongs to God. Do you think you like me as a pastor if I say that? Well, it may be true, but it doesn't mean that you might like it or not like it. Because if it's true, if you say it's true, then don't tell me what I should do with the money or with my possessions. Or with my time. Or with my calendar. The land is mine. You couldn't function in the year of Jubilee unless you did what? I give up. I am here... To work and to manage that which is yours. When Adam and Eve, when everything was good in the garden before sin, were they owners or managers? Managers. How come now we're so big on ownership? It's very simple. Don't think very far. It's a three-letter word that starts with S and it ends with N. And it has something very important in the middle. What's the middle letter? I. I, I see, I. And what's the middle letter of the chief end scene that supports self and the human nature? It's called pride. What's the middle letter of pride? I. I. You were a good student. You knew how to spell it. So what does this mean in relationship? Now we looked at this. That God is saying, there's mercy with me and with my people and with my community. Debts are being forgiven. Lands, property is being returned. Slaves are freed. That is God's mercy. There's also tells us that there's sovereignty. How is God's sovereignty portrayed in a community like ours? We trust his provision. We trust him for being taking care of our life. Yes, I know 
that we developed an economic system and there's money and there's things, but that is not the author of my life and the sustenance of my life. We have hospitals. But my life is hid with Christ on high. We have rules and regulations, but there's something that God demands. Justice and mercy. Means we're not a people who like to take advantage. And this is the response of why people failed. God gives me land, an opportunity for me to get rich. I'm going to take advantage. That guy's not doing well. Let me get his property for a cheap price to help him get out of his hole. But then he'll be left alone. And then I can take him as a slave. Let me tell you today, are there people who take advantage of the church? Hey, I need to have this program installed. Hey, I can use, you know, it's a good place to pro provide food and to do what I think. and to happens all the time. We just spoke in our Sunday school. My $43 million jet is not good enough. Can I have a $65 million jet instead? They bought it for him. This is a preacher in Texas or in the south somewhere. They bought it for him. $43 million jet wasn't good enough, so they bought him a $65 million jet. No such thing of taking advantage. But we're pretty good at doing that. We're pretty good at doing that. Why, why was the Lord doing something like this? What does the year of Jubilee begin to speak to us? It cannot happen unless we walk in a spirit of forgiveness. It cannot happen unless we understand that there is restoration. And it cannot happen if we don't value a new beginning that we have experienced. Can there be forgiveness of sins without Jesus? Can there be restoration? Without being born of the Spirit of God? Can there be a new beginning without the seal and the birth of the Spirit of God? No. This is a reality check. What is it for? Why do I jump crazy? Because I, I want to look myself look good in a church. No, because there could be one, one brother or sister, they come into the church and the Lord reveals to, to him that, hey, through Jesus, you are back now in my presence and this is the mansion that I have for you. And they're full of joy because by faith they see that which other people can't see. So don't judge them about why they jump in the church. Because what if they see what's on the other side of the shore? Jesus, our Savior, because he brought forgiveness. Jesus gives us power for the year of the Jubilee only when he is truly Lord over our life. God said the reason why the year of Jubilee is there 
is because I am Lord. So what did the Jews reject? They liked God's presence. They liked the forgiveness that comes with his presence. They liked knowledge of and they liked the blessing that comes from God. They really rejected. They didn't reject his salvation plan. They rejected him as Lord. That's the issue that they've had. Now, we don't have to read much further. If we already can see now in Christ with how he illuminates us through the Holy Spirit, the, the, the spiritual issues of the Jews, if they reject Jesus as Lord, what's going to be major faults that they'll come into? It's a word that starts with I and it ends with Y. What happens when God is not your Lord? Is there something called idolatry? I guarantee you, if you've never read the Bible, begin to read. That's going to be a major issue in Israel's life. If you're a Christian today and you love Jesus and the fact that he died for you, but you struggle with the fact that he's Lord over your life, you will struggle with your possession. You will struggle with being an adequate worshiper because you will have idolatry present in your life. Don't fool yourself. The Lord said, if you would come, follow me. Deny self. Pick up your cross and come follow me. How often? Daily. So now when you go online and you see people saying, oh, Jesus is our jubilee. Every day is a jubilee in Jesus. It is. Because if you're a follower, you have entered into this forgiveness, into this restoration. You look at the first church, they come to meet Jesus, you know, and they go and they sell everything they had. And they came and they put the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. What would drive them to do that? You know, Peter says, I never asked you to do that. But why would you lie to the Holy Spirit and they fall dead? Again, I want to have a part, so I'm going to lie by how much I want. It was never required. If it's a requirement that you're sensing, you need to go back to the board of repenting and coming to the forgiveness saving part because it is a process that naturally comes from a renewed, restored heart. And I told you before, you know, story of my grandfather. Honey beekeeper, blessed by the Lord, 200 families, fairly wealthy. But they had to go with a wooden cart, with wheels, carried up and down the hill to the, to, to the farmer's market to sell every Saturday. Three and a half miles. My grandma can we buy a home closer? Look, this is taking this many hours. My hands are hurting. My feet are hurting. I'm getting older. How could they not have a home closer to the market? Because whenever the Lord brought some money, oh, there's, a, a, you know, the Lord's brought people who came to the Lord in that town. We need to build a church. Okay, let's take the money to build a church. So my grandfather was being blessed by the Lord, and here, take 100,000, go plant that church. Take another 80,000, go and plant the other church. So he planted four churches, at least, you know, to help the plants of four churches. So they could never have money to buy a home. Now the king's emissary, who was in town, was so oppressed by the communist regime, he said, I'm going to flee the country. The head of the KGB in our state said, oh, I'm going to take his villa in the center of town on four plots, you know, seven-bedroom home, Romanesque pillars. You know, it was the nicest town in, in downtown. Apple orchard with a nice uh, small creek running through the property. 
He comes to my grandfather and he says, you know, he would buy honey from him once a month. He says, uh, and he wasn't a believer. At least he didn't come to the Baptist church or to the Pentecostal church. And he says to my grandfather, he says, you know, I'm thinking about selling my house. Are you looking for a house? He says, oh, yeah, but I, I can't afford your house. So he goes, well, how much do you have uh, saved up? My grandfather says, oh, about $214,000. He says, okay, $200,000, the house is yours. And my grandfather says, your house is worth $750,000. So that's how now my grandfather has the nicest house in town with money that he couldn't afford because... He built four churches with it. But you know that you cannot outgive God? Do you know that? So now you see, well, even more hatred now, because a believer has the nicest home. The KGB agents didn't like it. That was supposed to be. The boss of the KGB for our state, his home. He kind of gave a word out. Nobody can buy that home. Except this guy only wanted to sell it to my grandfather. I wonder how that happened. You don't have to wander that far. Because God is a God of wonders. Forgiveness. And now, why do you wait? Rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Today our sins can be forgiven. Jubilee starts with do not delay. Receive that forgiveness. Forgiveness, Jubilee, is restoring you back to a lost relationship with God. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, we can be free of condemnation. Is there jubilee in your life because you are forgiven and have entered from no personal relationship with God into an eternal relationship with God or forgiveness? Are you today in joy because... There is no condemnation. Why? Because we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And have you come today to church again knowing that Jesus says, Truly I say today, today you will be with me, with me in paradise. To know that you have a you don't have a seven-bedroom ashram. You have what? That's why you're not tied into your money and to your possessions or anything in this world. Because you do what? Your heart is with your heavenly mansion and with your account. Your bank account in heaven, not here. The inheritance do you have there. Whoa, some people say, we have inheritance like a bank account? Yes, we do. I wish people in the church... Thought more about that account than their own accounts here. Well, one day see each one how wealthy or not we will be there because it's not really a democracy, it's a theocracy. Some will be sitting on thrones while others will not be on a throne but still be blessed. If you're there, you'll be blessed. How many of you were drawn today 
with the true reality that I'm coming to worship the Lord who went home to prepare a place for me. That is my home and I'm, on, and I'm, I'm traveling there. And that is the reality of my life. Now, if you say, well, this is hard for me too, you can imagine how hard it was for the Jews to observe what? The year of Jubilee was so hard that they never observed it. Now you'll know why people cut corners, why people get compromised, why they do things in the church for what? For possessions, for money. For areas where Jesus is no longer Lord. And you have compromised people. You have compromised churches. You have compromised denominations. Compromised families. And we raise our kids in that way as well. Here's a beautiful aspect. It's so wonderful about how he speaks about salvation in our state. Do you know what happened to a Jew if they died before the year of Jubilee? That state had to remain. Do you know what happens with a Christian who dies who has not received the forgiveness? Who's died and has not had Jesus as Lord? Unfortunately, as we see that they stayed in that state, there's no more restoration for them. Why were we called to go preach the gospel? Why are we here? Can't waiting to bring the fruit of our lips? The mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. That's why we have to change the windows every other week. Because our voices are so loud from the joy that's in our heart that they keep getting cracked. That's why people say, I don't understand why there's so much joy in this guy right here. Because he can barely walk. That's why the, you know, the prisoner, the, the jailman was like, this guy is just being beaten, beaten with rods. They're bleeding in a dark cell. Why are they happy and joyful and praising God? The jubilee is because God wants to give you something that you lost. You and I have lost a lot more than this world can give to us. Have you repented? Have you forsaken that which has polluted or strained you? And has blinded you. And you can no longer see the beauty of that which you lost. And God wants to bring you back in to redeem you into. In Christ Jesus you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's why we call us, they call us Christians. Because we all have left our life and have stepped into in Christ. And that's why we live in the year of Jubilee. And pastor, that's why there's joy. And, and that's why on my vacation I go on the mission field. That's why on my vacation I'll go to the Holy Land. That's why uh, when I have some extra money on this, I'll change that light. And that's why I'm looking to see where God is at work. And that's why, because the freedom... The joy, the forgiveness, the restoration that I've received. I'm a priest to be 
part of in the rest of the world. Now that's the true church. Oh no. My marriage is not that good. So I'm thinking about divorce or finding someone else. Wow. You're still entrapped. I have come that you may have life and have it. If that's not your reality, the problem is with the worshiping community. He hasn't touched God yet. It hasn't. But you know, the further away you were from the presence of God, the safer the Jews were. It's only when they wanted to get closer to God that it became problematic. Surely we haven't backtracked as a church to fall into the same state as the Jews. Surely that cannot be true about the church today. Surely they don't cut corners. Surely we're not compromised to do everything according to what he says. Surely that's not the case. Pastor, what are you talking about? Have you seen the news lately? Surely you don't know that just in the last few months, a few churches were already closed. Baptist churches in this area, they died. Who is your jubilee? Who brings joy into your life? Who brings forgiveness? Who restores you? Who brings presence? Who's your joy? Who's your inheritance? Do you dare to compete? Are you, think about it. Anything that has made you corrupt yourself, you have brought up to compete against Jesus and the precious blood that he did what? Poured for you. Look at your hands. He who ascends my hill has to raise clean hands and a pure heart, the Lord says, right in the psalmist. Who can ascend my hill? Him who has clean hands and pure hearts. Can we have clean hands and a pure heart without the blood of our Lord Jesus? We've taken that preciousness and we've marred it with things that we elevated Above and beyond their value. This is a bittersweet message. The year of Jubilee. There's a sweetness to it. Man and when I look at me and us. There's also a bitterness that comes with it. They even wrote a song. With every passing day, how does the other shore look like? Sweeter? Day by day, how does the hymn go? That the shore on the other side is sweeter with every passing day. There's something wrong with you and I in our, in, in, in our jubilee, in our life, if you don't progress, even though you're getting older, you're getting sicker, as you get older, one of your organs will begin to get worse and worse and worse. The Ecclesiastes tells us that that's going to happen. But in reality, the shore on the other side is going to get sweeter. The daughter-in-law of my grandfather, I told you, you know, uh, uh, you know she was really moved by the Holy Spirit with my great-grandfather and the daughter. They, you know, they're on fire for the Lord. The Lord took them after five years of typhoid fever. 
And she's like, you know, my grandma's trying to say, oh, you're going to get well. She's like, no, no, no. Can't you see all these angels here in the, in the room that are here to take me home? This is in the, in, in the hospital. She says, no, don't, don't fool yourself. I'm, I'm, I, you're right. I'm going home, but I'm not coming to your house, to our house. I'm going home. They're here to take me. Right? The reality by faith that you and I have in a worshiping community that you and I have. It is the year of Jubilee. <coughs> now you know it couldn't start before Rosh Hashanah, 10 days of fasting and repentance and the day of atonement. What does that mean? Your life starts at the foot of the cross. And you won't care so much about your birthday. But you'll know that every passing day will be sweeter because that's when your life truly began. And in this life, death has been conquered. Sin has been nailed. There's nothing more precious than the blood of Jesus. Death has been defeated. And that reality begins to invade your life. To the point that some people say you're drunk. Or crazy. Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can call you Abba, Daddy, today. Lord, how wonderful it is, Lord, to be intimate with you and to call you Daddy because that has been redeemed for us. How intimate it is to know that you, Jesus says, nothing can snatch you out of my hand.